Here we go. Roll video. I think anybody creating something new must have an adventure. It's not cinema, it's something else. My advice to a young filmmaker is to make a movie every week. The whole bag of movies can be learned in about a day and a half. But suspense is essentially an emotional process. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta make films, you gotta make it, get a scene. Cinema for me is a world of when I dream. Welcome to Behind the Slate, everybody. I am your host, Aaron Strand, and today uh, is a bit more casual of an episode. Uh, As you probably know, I just came off of production uh, for a feature film, or at least the first block of production for my feature film, Withdrawal, which I've been chronicling on previous episodes of this show. And so we just came off of five days of shooting. Um, I'm tired. Uh, There's a lot going on in my brain, and I thought, who better to sort of disparse this to to debrief this experience than a, a fellow filmmaker that I have an incredible amount of respect for. And she just happens to be the co-host of Seen and Heard, another podcast that. on the Arroyo Film Club Network. What a coincidence. Jacqueline <laughs> Pastagian. I was going to say, what a coinky dink. Um, but yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, what a coinky dink. You just so happen to be on this, you just happen to be yeah. on this podcast, uh, this just, virtual yeah. hangout. We just yeah, bumped into exactly. each other. Exactly. Wow. How exciting. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm very excited to hear about how it went. I mean, I've been kind of, we've been talking a little bit, but I feel like you've been waiting to really tell me. And I'm very excited that you're telling me on we're using the podcast to do that i'm I'm really really excited yeah yeah i would i also just want to say you know um it's been such a joy of us getting to know each other like through the podcast Mm -hmm. because jackie and i have like we've begun to like form that like artistic friendship where like she like i'll send her stuff that i'm writing and she has like amazing feedback i've been honored that she's shared things that she's been working on with me uh it's been such a joy to like go through that and like just in the spirit in that spirit of like generosity uh and like and how like reading other people's work um just makes you better it's been such a Mm -hmm. joy uh and so to like share this growth process with you has been uh just something that has meant a lot to me likewise it's been great and i'm excited to keep it going and keep it going in the context of withdrawal which is So awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Let I, let me tell you. Let me tell you about it because I have not. I have tell not. Me like, about to- it. Yeah. I have not told you about this before. So. Yeah. Um, Why don't you I, like debrief us on like how many days? Okay. Where was it at? How okay. many people on set? Things yeah. Like that. Okay. Great. 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 Great setup. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so for this first shooting block we were shooting the flashback sequences, which make up somewhere between like a quarter and a third of the script. Um, and we knew our plan was, is that we were going to take five days to shoot these flashback sequences. Um, and there was like quite a few of them. I think there, it was like seven or eight different locations involved. Um, all of this is shooting in my hometown of Athens, Georgia, um, which is not only like I wanted to, um, uh, uh, film there because of like emotional connection and nostalgic connection, but that's also where I have my favors stored up. So I ended up 
being able to like mm-hmm. get all of the locations for free. Um, be, and it's really just because I'm shooting in Athens. Wow. Um, it would not, that would not be possible in Atlanta. And that's, those are the sort of decisions I felt like I needed to make for shooting at mm-hmm. this budget level. Um, so five days, seven, eight locations. We've been re- rehearsing these scenes for like three months with the two lead actors, which like I've documented throughout the show. Um, and the crew ended up, um, growing to be like a little bigger than I had initially planned. I think in, I had some fantasy in my head of that, like, it's just like five people on set and like, everyone's going to wear multiple hats and like, I've had a similar fantasy and it never works out. (laughs) It never works out. It never works out. And, 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 you know, and usually for the better, because the truth is, is that everybody, on this set was working their ass off. I think it ended up being about a crew of uh, roughly like 15 people each day. Mm, that sounds um, about right. Yeah. And, you know, the crew, it, uh, we, um, my uh, producer, Jonathan Walls, uh, did an amazing job of, he, he really sourced a lot of these people. We really tried to cast our crew, trying to find people um, with, um, that were sort of aligned in like values, you know, that, um, shared that that independent spirit that would be down with a project like this and like would understand and appreciate sort of like what we were trying to do and then on top of that you know and then you know so there was that baseline understanding and then we tried to go above and beyond in terms of taking care of them from there as far as like the food we provided which my mom like cooked most of which was awesome and um we got some like last minute housing um at a like a supremely discounted rate from someone that i knew in athens again another like benefit of shooting in my hometown um so tried to take care of everyone to the best of uh, our ability um uh so yeah and and pretty much everybody on the crew was from atlanta the only person who was not from atlanta was our cinematographer emily marquet who i had on a previous episode she drove down from dc where she's from she ended up staying in our primary location which is a house that's owned by my mother-in-law uh so we were like shoot like the living room and the kitchen were hot set and then like the back bedroom was her bedroom (laughs) uh uh, so you know yeah so it was definitely had that sort of like you know very indie (laughs) kind of yeah yeah sure exactly um and so i guess you know, the first like real benefit ha- happened when I thought I was going to be like relocating from Atlanta to Athens, like the day before our- we first started shooting. And that was really stressing me out because I was like driving back and forth every day. And for those who don't who don't know Georgia, like it's like an hour and a half drive between the two of them, which is like. But why, why did you think you were going to be doing that? Well, because I mean, because I have a toddler, a toddler, you know, I thought I was like, oh, oh, my God. Right. No, but I didn't realize that you don't still live in Athens. You live in Atlanta. No, no I live in Atlanta. No, me, my wife. Yeah, my wife and I live in Atlanta. Um, Yeah. A- like Athens was chosen one for like the value that it had as a location. Um, But the, but then, like I was saying, like all the favors that are sort of stored up there from from my years of living there right, previously. Right, right. Yeah, but we live in Atlanta now. So it's like an hour and a half drive, which is like not unreasonable. But it's if you're driving back and forth, it's that's three hours that's every really day. Hard. That's tough. That's tough. And 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 um and it was kind of dictated by like my kids daycare schedule. So it's like, you know, like 3.30 p.m. If I'm in Athens, like I got to leave because I got to go pick up my kid from daycare. And uh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that was like. 
that was really tough. So the first like major benefit happened when my wife, Shub, um, uh, just like maybe like three or four days before shooting started, she was like, go just relocate to Athens. Like I got this. And, and, Yay. and just like, like, I got the kid, you go, you go do your thing, which is like, it seems like so small, but it was like so huge. Like the ability of to course. just like re- relocate to Athens and like, uh, just focus full time and like put in like a couple of like 16 hour days, like leading up to the sh- shooting beginning. And I was able to like spend time with Emily, building out the, all the rigs, going through all the gear, sorting through everything, finalizing our storyboards, doing another like location scout, like all this like sort of like last minute stuff that I think really paid off big time in our actual shoot. So, sure. um, yeah, so I guess this all, all builds up to, to day one, which was um, uh, on Tuesday, August 29th. Our first day, the first thing we shot, uh, and this, like, I thought that this would, um, I knew that this was going to be really hard, but um, I thought it would really set the right tone. The first thing we shot was with our lead actress, Millie Rose Evans, performing an original piece of music that she had written. And it was like, she like, in, yeah, <laughs> right. And like in the story, she's like playing for this guy that, you know, she likes and he just bought her this guitar. He's like giving it to her as a gift. And, and she plays the song and like, kind of like blows his mind. But that's like a fucking hard thing to ask an actor to do. Like day one, you don't know any of these people yeah. that you're on set with. There's now 15 strangers like staring at you. Okay, yeah. like go go fucking knock this song out of the park that no one's heard before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did you have her like play it before you guys started actually rolling? Like maybe like play it once just so everyone hears it, knows it. And then you guys were just boom, boom, no, boom. We- no, we rolled on we rolled on the first take. Now, I mean, well, she and I, she and I had worked on the right, song for months. Right, like right. I was very familiar with the song. I had watched her um and and tried to help her sort of like just do, you know, take care of like little musical things that I thought would put her in a position to succeed. But it was really more of like a matter of like kind of I thought it would be good for her to experience like this sink or swim moment. And I kind of trusted mm-hmm. that she had the talent and that just sort of like natural performer that like this will this will force you to kind of step up to the plate and i think once you get this out of the way everything else will feel like Mm -hmm, gravy mm -hmm. you know and what was your like coverage for the performance like yeah well so that was really interesting because we were getting live audio so the the point was not to then Mm -hmm. like re-record the song in the studio Mm -hmm. and use the Mm -hmm. studio take so it also complicated things because this first shot was a three camera multicam setup. Whoa. Uh, so that we would, co- <laughs> so that we would fully cover, yeah. you know, the one take that we were then going to use later on right. in the, in the movie. So yeah. Right. So three cameras, um, uh, it, 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 we, and we covered it a few different ways. I tried to like, make sure that we got like this and, and, Oh, and look into the story. Millie stepped up and fucking knocked this song out of the park. Like second take was like, was like the best she's ever played it. And, and and so that was, so like immediately sort of like you see the set just be like, okay, like this, something's happening here. Like the crew, you Uh know, you kind of, you just got to get that vibe of like, wow, like that was, that was special. Um, Mm -hmm. And you saw her be like, 
okay, like I just did that. You know what I mean? And so it kind of like really gave this like confidence boost. And, um, we covered it. Uh, so we kind of covered it with, um, uh, uh, a wide, it's kind of like we had our master. We we did this bit more traditional coverage. We had a master wide. We had a set a B cam on close up getting her face, and then we had a C cam where I put um a crew member who's like a an old friend of mine, but who didn't have a lot of film set experience. But she said she like wanted kind of camera experience, and I always think that this sort of like educational experiential energy like really adds things to the set. So her name's Leanne Peppers. She was fucking amazing crushed this her all of her jobs on this set so hard um could not have done it without her anyway first day we were like hey leanne like here's a camera uh like you just like find what you think looks like looks interesting it was like the camera was like on a 135 millimeter lens it was locked off on a tripod the fluid head was cranked pretty tight so it's it it Mm -hmm. wasn't she couldn't really jostle it but she had the freedom to like search around the guitar focus on like the fingers on the fretboard and 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 just kind of find what she thought was interesting and i kind of i kind of really like that that like energy of someone being like oh shit like i thought i was showing up here to like pa (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) um uh and now that yeah now there's a camera and um what was great was that I, i i wanted to i allotted a lot of time for this because i thought that you know if we were running into problems with the song you know i didn't want the actress to feel rushed in her performance but she ended up crushing it you know by take two and then we got mm-hmm. like two other takes that were use that were great as well um and so from there then we just started to have fun we, you know then we started putting cameras like you know what funky angles and we started doing like little rack focuses that like weren't necessarily on her mouths uh, her mouth moving the words so that we could cut into that like master take whichever one mm-hmm. which one we mm-hmm. end up using um, and then, of course, we turned around and shot like reverse coverage of the of the of the guy listening to mm-hmm. the song and how it touched him. And then mm-hmm. all this the the scene, she finishes the song and it builds up. And then, like in the silence after she finishes, he approaches and they kiss for the first time. And it's supposed to be this very tender, sweet thing. And at the um, this was a, a last minute element that got thrown into the film, which is that um, Emily, when she returned from the UK. Um, well, actually, let me back this up. I was on a location scout with producer Jonathan and we were going through the locations and Jonathan just threw out an idea. He was like, yeah, he was, he just said, wouldn't it be cool if like we rented a 16 millimeter film camera and like shot some of this stuff. And I was like, Jonathan, if you want me to say no to something, start a sentence with, wouldn't it be cool if we rented, right? Like, like <laughs> uh, I'm not, like, I'm not renting anything. Uh, I'm trying right. to rent as little as possible for this movie. So I kind of, I shot down his idea in cold blood. Literally six hours later, Emily texts me that night and says, hey, uh, I just uh, bought a 16 millimeter, a, a 16 millimeter Bolex. Like, would nice. you bring it to set? Would it be cool if I brought it to set and we like found some things to shoot? So, um, yeah. So then we like kind of, we tested it. Uh, she brought it down. We got the film. Uh, there's an amazing um, Kodak film lab here in Atlanta that does like great work and a mm-hmm. really fast turnaround times for film development. So we partnered with them uh, to get to do our test shots and all of our turnarounds. And um, uh, we highlighted these sort of heightened emotional moments when the characters, you know, sort of like felt like they were living in a movie and mm-hmm. picked our spots for these 16 millimeter uh, film shots. 
and this first kiss was one of them. So the whole scene in uh, wrapped uh, with um, we shot the kiss. We shot it on digital just to like cover our ass, and then we mm-hmm. brought out the, the sixteen the sixteen mil. Um, it was actually shot on Super sixteen, and um, nice. and got this uh, got this kiss. Um, and and uh, I got the footage the the sixteen millimeter footage back. And it, it looks beautiful. Uh, it's great. cute. Yeah. Yeah, so um, you know things. I think things had um, a really good momentum uh, off to that uh, off that first scene. Um, that led into a com- a company move to another location for the back half of day one, and this is where I I, I started to make mistakes. <laughs> um, which so for the second scene of our shoot, we went into this like seven person little like bourgeois party scene it's supposed to be a, okay. a party of, of law students um i where, remember it from the script yeah yes yeah, so it's this little law student party they're talking about very bourgeois shit uh, they're they're like comparing uh travel point credit cards um and <laughs> um and we were shooting it we, we were shooting it at um my friend uh one of my childhood friends houses that he was living at it was actually owned by his mother um so she let us shoot at this house very pretty house um but i did not anticipate number one like just how long that company move would take the amount of gear mm. that was being involved I had this vision of like shooting this party scene, which is like seven people sitting in a circle. I had this vision of shooting it with this very like whip pan camera, like drifting around the party, like whatever. And, and, and we had that in the storyboards, but I don't think we did enough. Uh, we didn't have enough great communication with our G and E people. And like, it, cause G and like our, our camera department and G and E, like this is the first time they were working together. So G and E lit the scene beautifully, but it had all these C stands, like, you know, on the quote unquote safe side of the room. And it really mm-hmm. cut down on our mobility. And we started the scene and it, this was a scene that we hadn't rehearsed before because it had all these like day player actors who, um, yeah. some, some of whom I'd never worked with before. So, and, and also like, it's so hard to like, just throw people together and be like, okay, now act like you are all students together. And yeah, yeah, and yeah, you guys are friends. And like, so I'm spending like, I spent like an hour and 15 minutes, like getting them to improvise and like trying to like warm them up and like get the conversation with that like degree of, of energy that like friends talk to each other with, but with the casualness that doesn't feel like people are acting. And I think I spent a little bit too much time on that. I got st- mm-hmm. like, we kept shooting that over and over again in like a master shot. And the other thing was, is that we had to get a shot outside at the end of this scene in blue hour. So we had this very, very hard out and my time management was like not on point. I, I suddenly like felt hemmed in by the like inability of the camera to move and how like just to reverse our coverage we were going to have to like move, like we we're going to have to break down like five C stands and like move them to the other side of the room. I, at a certain point I start to like improvise and like go off the shot list, which got like, which, you know, like I could feel like the ripples of sort of like, uh Oh, like kind of like yeah. go through, go through the um like from our, our wonderful AD Scott Smith and like kind of on down of just the sense of like, okay, like, you know, well, this is like what we're supposed to be doing. And, um, um, it was honestly the thing that like kind of brought us all back together was our audio guy. Um, mm-hmm. 
a fantastic audio engineer named Spencer Poole, who, um, again, I have never worked with before. And it's so hard being an audio guy because he's a one-man department. Like, he's booming yeah. and monitoring all the lobs. And he's monitoring yeah. seven, seven lavaliers in this scene. You know what I mean? And um, he was the... As I as I started to go off script and be like, you know, fuck it, like I just want to, like I was like, shoot this way, and then we will go over here. He was the one who was like, I, I can't boom this, like, yeah. We and I'm really glad that he advocated. I could see that he was like, and he was a little, he, you know, it's like a tough thing to like advocate for yourself as like a one man department. But he was like, mm -hmm. if you want clean audio from this boom, like we have got to shoot this side, and then we've got to shoot this side. And I'm so glad that he said that. And that he like spoke up and I've worked yeah. with audio engineers who have just like said, like, you know, I, that like they haven't said anything clearly in their heads. Right. They were just like, yeah, fuck it. Like I'll do what I can. And then you get to the audio later and it sounds like garbage, you know, but he, <laughs> he, he was like, he was like, no, like we have to do it this way. And because he said that it really kind of got me like back on course. It was that limitation that like kind of like brought me back to the shot list. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we we ended up being able to finish out the scene, but I was pretty rushed. I, I was pretty stressed, and and you know the other thing, Jackie, that's so funny, and I I wonder if you if you feel this way because I know I've been like talking a lot here, but <laughs> the thing that sucks about being a filmmaker is that you spend ninety eight percent of your time writing, uh, pre product, you know, doing pre production, yeah, uh, raising money doing all the other stuff. And so the amount of reps that you actually get on set are incredibly low. It, when you're yeah. get on set on set as a director making these you're critical right. decisions. So it took me like it, it, this scene and then into the next day, it literally took me 36 hours to get my like sea legs under me to where I was like actually working at the pace I needed to work at. Yeah, that's normal. Um I think <laughs> uh I feel like first day is super super hard like first day is just it's always yeah you're literally getting your sea legs like you said um but it's really good that you had someone like your your audio guy like stepping in and that you listen to him and I think that's so important is just like you really have to listen to your crew and like that's just my mentality like when I I mean I've only made two movies <laughs> but I've trusted the crew with my life. And I think that that's helped me like so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a feeling, right? When you feel the world closing in and when you feel like you're running out of time and it's awful, it's painful. It sucks. <laughs> and I don't know if it's like short film, indie film, it's because we have no money. Like, I don't know what it is exactly. I don't know when that's going to go away. If it ever is going to go away, I really hope it does. Because I literally have like nightmares about it still to this day. Like, and I'm sure you will have plenty of nightmares. Yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like you handled yourself well. And like, yeah, I mean, first day is always hard. First shot yeah. is always really hard. It sounded like your first shot went really well, um, <laughs> which is great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Um, uh, yeah, it first first days are really hard. Um and there's that mixture of like euphoria and and stress and and just that group like especially when like the group of people has never worked together as a crew before. Like some some mm -hmm. people on our crew knew each other, had worked together, but it wasn't like a machine. Yeah. And everyone is sort of testing each other out, sort of like 
well, how much guidance am I going to get? How much freedom am I going to get? Like, if I say something, will I be yeah. shot down or will I be encouraged? Right. And, right. and and all that, all those sort of questions. Um, uh, yeah. I like to do name tags on the first day. Did you do name tags? I don't, you know, I have, I have um, like, I, there's something about like anything that makes the set feel like slight like any of the like there's a lot of like corporate-y games that make me like, not corporate name tags that make me uncomfortable name circles make me really uncomfortable circles uh, are weird everyone's too busy you can't do a circle that's why i like tags we did do a circle. i did a i did like a little speech before we started that's nice did, no speeches I did are little, nice i did a little but circle you didn't speech. ask everyone to do like tell me three truths and a lie no no i will <laughs> never do that i will never <laughs> ever ever do that that's good <laughs> but i did say but i did say this was one of, one of my set rules so i okay my four set rules uh if i can even remember them it's um uh uh no gossip number one uh about mm-hmm. this about anyone on this production or any other mm-hmm. production uh number two is if you're gonna be on your cell phone like take it out of the workspace because uh, i hate people like sitting in the workspace like scrolling mm-hmm. um Number three was if you if you don't know someone's name, ask it, and if you forget it, just ask again. Um, so that was my little like name. Your name thing. thing. My name nice. thing. Um, and then number four was if you see something, say something. Both in terms of like the art and in terms of safety. Um, so that was like trying to encourage people to like begin that collaborative dialogue and like mm-hmm. speak up and just know that they would be heard and and their voices would be respected. That's great. So. I'm trying to think yeah did we 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 did we got out of that scene i did not get everything that i wanted but we got enough to like cover it and um and and started doing so and like some interesting stuff started to really happen um we did get our like blue hour shot um, cool um which was like a little fight that happens like after the party as our two mm-hmm. lead characters like walk they were like walking down a sidewalk to the to to a truck um, mm-hmm. and they're fight they're fighting about what happened in the party and um and this was the oh oh this was the other thing is that this uh tropical storm was blowing up through oh great the <laughs> yeah yeah so over uh, kind of hanging over all of this uh, i don't remember the name of the storm but you know it like crossed over northern florida and kind of like went into southern georgia so we didn't know like how much of this storm was going to affect us but it was already sort of hanging on our head because the next day was supposed to be our big outdoor day so we're great. already thinking like well like fuck us yeah like uh this tropical storm's blowing through so but anyway it ended up where like the 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 characters are having this fight walking to their car and the sort of like early tropical winds are like blowing through the trees so it, we did get this like kind of cool, cool like yeah so i'm like this is like the sky was like cloudy and had this like wonderful blue tone the cicada like the air was really humid and so the cicadas were like screaming like in the great like southern way and then we had this we had these like really cool like gusts of wind kind of like blowing down um and again shout out to spencer pool who i was gonna uh, say yeah well shout out to him because as we like we're we're losing light we're worried that it's gonna start raining any second i'm rushing i'm already stressed from the previous scene and once again like he spoke up and advocated he was like we need to stop everything and i need to like wind protect these lavaliers if we're gonna get any 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 anything usable from here so we had to stop we had to go back to the house we had to get the little wind protectors 
he had to, he took the time to put them on. It took like 15, 20 minutes, which of course I'm like pacing in a circle, but you know, I, tr- I trusted him and thank God he did speak up because I've gone back and listened to the audio and it is fucking beautiful. Crisp That's audio, good. no scratches, no gusts, no wind interference. Wow. Yeah. He crushed it. He crushed it. That's so um, awesome. Yeah. And I could so see it would be such, if I, like, it, it, just imagining myself in his shoes, it would be the situation of like, oh, I don't want to be the guy that like holds this up. I don't want to mm-hmm. be the one who like stops this momentum as like we're losing light. But no, mm-hmm. he, he, yeah, just shout out, shout out, Spencer. Amazing. How'd you um, sleep that night? <laughs> not great. I was. <laughs> I we we had because we, we. I mean, it was a long loadout out of that location, that final location. And then we were up like even later, me and uh, producer Jonathan Walls and AD Scout Smith, uh, we were up pretty late, like doing these like contingency schedule plans and like, be, like, do we cancel these outdoor scenes because of this tropical storm? Like, because right. we, we, and we weren't really sure of like how much of the weather we were going to get, but we ended up like at like midnight, like scrapping all the outdoor stuff, rearranging the whole, shoot, the whole shoot schedule. Yeah. And, um, and moving everything around and so um, and thank god we did because it ended up being like uh it, we didn't get any like tropical winds or anything but it was gray and it rained all day the the next wow. day um as the, as the storm like moved through south georgia so um yeah was there yeah. any like did you have issues with like equipment rental because i know we did because we had like steady cam and then like got sick and so was there anything like that where you had to like rearrange your rentals no so we i had um you know as i like I, as i kind of alluded to earlier i ha- i hate rentals <laughs> I, I hate i hate them uh because they do add like so many problems yeah um, they do and they add so many constraints and and whatever. So the only things that we had rented were were two lavaliers that were like um, very very nice lavaliers, and then also like a Terra deck for follow focus. So cool. and the and the and both of those were sort of like friend situations where we did not have like a hard out uh, cool. of the of the rental that we had rented both for the whole week, and there was no sort of time constraint on them. That's really awesome. Um, Otherwise, everything was either my equipment or Emily's equipment, um, or our, uh, uh, our, our, yeah, our grip, our grips equipment. Riley Krill, he he brought his kit along. So, um, and and between all the three of us, we had, I mean, we had more gear than than we needed. So that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I the whole rental thing because I've done that before, uh, of course, and it's always leads to like. <laughs> so many headaches yeah. um and it's just and it, and, it, and it can be expensive oh um, yeah so were you on your short you were range, rearranging the schedule and then it le- led to a rental conflict uh a little bit because the steady cam essentially um but then we had to call in we knew like a backup guy who also did steady cam we switched the shot a little bit we had to change the day that we did it because we only rented it for two of the three days and so we basically found another operator is what we did rather than like change our rental agreement um which was hard morning of my cinematographer is texting everyone he knows 
Uh, my producer's texting everyone she knows. And thankfully, you know, we got someone, but it was so stressful. Like, it's so hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. It was hard. That's crazy. Um, but, I mean, changing from outdoor to indoor is also really crazy. Like, changing your entire Yeah. Okay. So, schedule. yeah. So, so, second day... Um, Again, we sort of like divided the day in half. We had always were going to shoot the scene uh, at our um, the character Viv's parents' house, and um, and then in the afternoon we were originally going to shoot their like meet cute, which happens out downtown in Athens, and was stuff we were going to like quote unquote steal, even though we had like permission from the city to just shoot without a permit. Um, But uh, we were going to shoot it like in a live environment. Well, that got scrapped because of the storm. We ended up adding in this like um uh or, or we rearranged it so that at that sec- the second day night we were going to shoot this like big fight scene um uh which ended up being with like a stunt involved because there's like a stage slap and then um uh, the the lead guy ends up destroying the guitar that he gifted to his girlfriend like in an early in that earlier yeah. flashback yeah so then all of a sudden we like day two is this like kind of emotional like tour de force right, had, right. had this awkward like four hour break in the middle of it um where he just told people to like go back to the airbnb and like chill um mm-hmm. uh and and yeah it was just it, it was kind of a whole other thing and also this meant that now like our three or really four most difficult scenes with the most like complicated elements whether it was like seven people talking or live music or a stunt or this parents' house scene where we were shooting at this gorgeous location that was gifted to us by people that I hadn't met before, or I hadn't met before this project, um, and wanted to be really considerate of their home that they were letting us shoot in. Um, all those things ended up happening in the first 48 hours. And it wasn't like, like I said, it wasn't until the end of the second day that I was like, okay, I'm ready to start making a movie now. But like now all the, like the four hardest scenes yeah, are already yeah. done. It's like, oh man, I, if I had been a bit more intentional about this, like I, I wish I had been a bit more intentional about it. Um, even though the but weather. You can't control kind of the like, weather. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. But, but still, uh, the, those first three scenes were on the original oh, yeah. schedule. And yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. in hindsight, I think I, I could have done that differently. Um, yeah. I mean, in terms of, you are supposed, I feel like you are supposed to get the really complicated shots out of the way first. But in terms of like emotional moments, yeah. Um, we did a similar thing because of the steady cam thing. We had to shoot the goodbye on the second day, but I really wanted to shoot the goodbye on the third day. Like the final, you know, the movie was shot in three days, but like first thing in the morning, second day, we had to shoot the goodbye and we hadn't even shot the fight yet. So that was yeah. really hard just yeah. to get in that headspace. But my actors were brilliant and they did a great job, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's hard. And maintaining but complications the- arise and that's what you have to do. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that a lot of the technical stuff can kind of be pretty forgiving, but maintaining like the emotional continuity of the story is the paramount thing. And it's, and it's really, that's, that I feel like really, really, really falls on the director. I mean, you have to know emotionally where the characters are at on the story. Cause you've really like, it's really hard for actors to um, like the, 
you know, when you're in it, when you're in, trapped inside the flesh suit, you know, experiencing the emotions and moving through the beats, you get it a little bit, but you have that you just lack that objective awareness of, of where am I in the story? And that's where I think they really need that kind of like guiding hand to make sure that they know where they are. Um, and, and it's hard as, as a director. And I, and I, it's something that I like try to pay a lot of attention to, but I still feel like, you know, making sure that that tone and atmosphere is correct for where, even as you're jumping around non-chronologically in your story. Mm -hmm. Is really tough. Do you do you ever feel that way? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I felt that way when I was shooting. Um, it was really, really rough. Um, tell me about like once you got past, like you said, like, oh, I'm making a movie now. Like, tell me about getting past those really hard moments. And then yeah, like well, finally feeling like you're doing it. Yeah. You know, uh, the truth is, is that I, um, so it, that, that day, Day two, scene one, parents' house, kind of ran into the same problems where like I didn't feel like I had the mobi- mobility. We were shooting in this really large space, and so it was harder to light and like, um, especially like with the gear we had at hand, um, um, and 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 it, and it was just um, yeah, it was just hard. I got st- I got really stressed. I felt like I was running out of time. My stress was kind of like radiating. I don't do a good job of like hiding when I'm when I'm pissed about something. And it's not like I was pissed at anyone. I was pissed at myself. You know, I yeah. was pissed that that I that I wasn't faster. That I had gotten behind. That I didn't get all the coverage that I wanted. Um, anyway, and uh, what happened was is that there was a couple actors who had come in just for that day who were playing the parents, and I had to rush off to the next scene. And I was kind of I, I was visibly uh, stressed. I was visibly sort of yeah. angry, and so I didn't get to say goodbye to them. And, um, we got the the rest of the stuff that we needed. We loaded out. I was like trying to be as consciously aware of loading out of this location as much as possible because these people had let us shoot in their house. Like I mentioned for free. So I wanted to make, I wanted to be the last one to leave to make sure that like no rapper was left behind. No, anything. We had like invaded their, their home for like six hours now, you know? Um, and just like, shout out to um shane and natasha deekle thank you so much for letting us shoot in your house the house is so gorgeous it's beautiful and it will look beautiful on film um all that to say is like i I was really concerned about them and like making sure we treated their house with respect or whatever and we got out and i got in my car we had this awkward you know several hour break in the middle of the day and i called the two actors um who had left set without, without getting a chance to say goodbye to them. Uh, Cause I just like, I know what it feels like to be an actor to show up on set for a day, you do your thing. And then production like storms off to the next thing. And you're just like, did I do anything? Like, did I even act? Like uh, you just, you get feel so empty sometimes, you know, like there's no yeah. applause. It's not like being on stage. There's no conclusion right. to the right. experience. And so calling each of them and saying, Hey, you know, I'm really sorry that like, I wasn't, that I didn't, I, I didn't really like give that attention. Thank you so much for your work today. Um, you know, how did you feel about what we did? And just like taking those moments to just like converse with people was the thing that like cal- calmed me down. Um, and that's when I started to feel like in hearing their feedback of like the things that they liked and the things that they struggled with and, and, and whatever, that's when I'd started to feel, feel real. Um, 
Uh, I also called uh, uh, lead actress Millie Evans because I had been I had been kind of hard on her in the previous scene. In, in the midst of the stress and whatever, I had sort of like demanded something, um, uh, demanded sort of emotional beats uh, from her and was like really pushing hard. And I know that I never gave her any sort of like affirmation of like, you did it, like great job. I just sort of like moved on to the next thing. So I called her to like apologize for that as well um, and just say, or just, you know, apologize more just like sort of acknowledgement hey you know i know that this did that uh, i wish i had taken a certain tone a uh, different tone how do mm-hmm. you feel you know just try to like create that conversation mm-hmm. anyway those were the moments where things kind of like started to settle down for me and really uh after that like i felt i felt a lot better and i also by that point i had realized like okay like i gotta really up my speed if we're going to get all this coverage done. Cause now it's like two, two, two scenes in a row. I've had my ass against the wall. Yeah. Like I gotta, I gotta be booking it like from shot one and I've got to yeah. not do like six takes of, of our first setup, you know, trying to get the acting beats, right? Like we will get the acting beats as we move through the coverage. Um, and uh, so that's kind of what I brought into that like later day scene. And uh, that worked a lot better. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, day two ends late at night. We get through the stunt of, of smashing this guitar again, like did multicam coverage of that. No one got hurt. Uh, we had, we had consulted with a stunt coordinator about like how to do that and how to do that as safely as possible. Uh, you know, everyone had eye protection. We rehearsed this stunt a lot, um, to make sure everyone knew what they were doing. Um, so we got through that. That was also like kind of a big success of, uh, yeah, not only and- did you get beautiful. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, how many guitars did you have? Like, was it one take? We had two guitars, wow. um, so we had we had two shots at it, but they were custom painted. That's why we only I had. I know two of that's them. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So a friend of mine, uh, Cooper Buca, who uh, is an amazing painter, he had he had custom painted these guitars with this kind of like drip paint style that he does. And um, so yeah, we only had two shots of it. So we had three cameras running on each smash. Um. And uh, Brent Michael, the actor who who smashed the guitar, just did a, a just had excellent like body control. Um, he he really like took the the stunt rehearsal advice seriously. Nothing was out of control, but he acted it beautifully to where like it read as this explosion of of emotion. And you know, it wasn't just about like watching a guitar splinter. You know, it was about watching these two characters like destroy this beautiful thing that had symbolized their relationship. And, and so I just thought it was really amazing work by them. And, and I was just so grateful that we got through it without anyone getting hurt and that we like executed the plan, you know, I think yeah. that was also the, that was kind of also the moment where it was like, okay, like we planned this, <laughs> you know, and, and it, it like, worked and it worked. Yeah. Yeah. And so the vibes were like pretty good by the end of that day. Um, we went into day three um, which is where we had moved our outdoor stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and I could just tell by day three, the crew had like gelled, you know, like yeah. they're all staying at these rental houses together. Mm-hmm. So they were ha- up. I know they were up like hanging out, you know, after we wrapped and they just came to set with this energy of like, all okay. Like all of a sudden now we're like, we're friends making a movie. Nice. And that was like, I mean, like, that's that's in many ways like one of the most rewarding like set experiences as yeah. a like 
writer, director, producer, you know, like you, you want to, cause it's like, it is a responsibility to try to like set that tone and like make sure that people feel, you know, open and, and like that this can be fun, you know? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Is there anything that you do to try to like set those, set the, you know, it's just like, how do you set the vibes? How do you vibe check Jackie? I don't know. Maybe it's something I should work more on. I, I'm very grateful in that when I, the two movies I've made a lot, most of the crew knew each other already. Like we had very few mm. strangers that didn't know anyone there. So I think that helped a lot. I don't know what I would do if I was on a set of like, no one knows each other. Um, I'd imagine something like what you did. It's like, and I did have a meeting. I had a meeting every morning, but it was just kind of like, good job. Keep up the good work. Let's go faster. Um, (laughs) but no, I was so grateful. Like even my lead actors and my short, they're best friends. So like they had incredible chemistry and like my cinematographer and, um, my gaffer are best friends that always work together. Like they, and I've worked with them in the past and they brought those, the guys that they also brought to the first movie. And so we kind of all already knew each other. Um, yeah, my my costumer is a good friend of mine, and like my the production designer is my sister's best friend, who also worked on my first movie. A lot of the people came from the first movie back, so that was really nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and it, it it did feel really good, and like I miss them. Like it's it, you really do become. There's a magic that happens, even if it's just three days. Like you guys were five, but we were three, and like it still becomes a community. Um, I don't know exactly what I would do if I didn't know anyone. That's interesting. What did I do the first time around? Well, my producer knew everyone, and my coach, my producer, who's my co-director on the first one, knew everyone from the first yeah. one. So, huh? I don't know. <laughs> what yeah. you give me advice? I don't know. I I don't know. I I think that like um, just trying to I don't know bring bring all of yourself to the process trying to I, I I for me it's about like really trying not to be anything that you're not like I, I get in my head sometimes that I'm like supposed to be like cooler than I am <laughs> like, you know like I want to be cool I want to be seen as cool I want to be seen as smart I want to be seen as as talented all the typical right. um ego self-conscious bullshit um and so trying to like um trying to get over that which for me is um giving myself the permission to be like unabashedly enthusiastic you know like when yeah. when people do things that excite me whether it's um whether it's like you know a particularly like great lighting setup or a great moment of an actor in a scene like i try to bring like a lot like i'll try to bring a lot of celebratory energy you know of like yes like that was fucking awesome yes that's great like great i love that i love that you know what i mean and like let yeah. myself because that that at my core like that's who i am yeah you know and so i try to let that shine through i try to like lead with that um at the same time i also try to be really careful to never bullshit that and like give that sort of like feedback for things that like don't actually excite me you know what i mean so it's like tries to stay like try to stay authentic about it i don't know if that actually like resonate like resonates with people i mean i that's just that that's just my little thing to make sure I'm like trying to stay true to myself. Um, I don't, but I don't know if that's like an actionable piece of advice. <laughs> no, it is for sure. I think a lot about like, um, you know, down here in Georgia, we have a football coach named Kirby smart. 
um, who is the coach of the back-to-back national champion Georgia Bulldogs. I don't know if you've heard out there in California who the real national champions are. I mean, um, I, you are preaching to the wrong choir. I have no stakes <laughs> in sports. I have no interest or even the slightest <laughs> stake in sports. Sure. Yeah, you're the champion. Go for it. Cool. Uh, well, well, yes. <laughs> uh, well, it wouldn't be a behind the slate podcast if I didn't shoehorn sports in here somewhere. But, you know, like that's one thing that I, I really like love about Kirby is that he is he does not try to like pretend to be like cooler than he is. And like, he is not above like celebrating and kind of like trying to feel the same joy that the players are feeling. And really like by him doing it, it's like giving permission for everyone else to like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. experience that joy and like not try to be too cool themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This is going to sound really lame, but I give a lot of hugs. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Like if someone does something I really love, I'll just, my instinct is just like, that's awesome. And like hug. Like that's it. I, I love that's that. That's what I do. Yeah. I love that. I would work. I mean, yeah, of course. Because then all of a sudden, like, it does subconsciously affect. It's like, I want a hug. Like, is my work hug? Yeah. Worthy? No, <laughs> like, it's not like, here's your reward, a hug from me. It's no, just no, no, no. And it's but, just, I want course. everyone to be very close. And, like, sometimes it's literally a pat on the back. It's like a yeah. good job. Like, it's like a, yes. a squeeze. It's not always a big embrace, you know? Uh, sure, um, sure, sure, sure. Sure. But I think that kind of affirmation is really important. And like people want to feel seen. It also like helps um, a team, you know, stay sort of on task to know that mm-hmm. like their work is being is being recognized, is being watched. Like the good things are being rewarded. Um, the mm-hmm. things that may not like necessarily align with the vision are being talked about and like are being worked through. And because no one ever wants to feel like, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what I do on this team, yeah. right? Like that's like the that's the like bullshit corporate experience mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that you get from big studio films. I mean, going on set to like TV shows and like big movies. I mean, like it's a total you're no corporate one. Vibe. Yeah, you're no one. You and you know you're no one, and you know that your menial little bullshit doesn't matter. And you know, for people who are like doing the really hard jobs of those sets, like first or second ADs, they know that all of their good work will never be recognized. And instead, they're just going to eat shit for all the like little mistakes that they make along the way. Yeah. And that and and that's why they're fucking miserable. <laughs> and like why ADs in particular, like suffer from such severe, terrible burnout. And I just like, it's just such a terrible system. Um, yeah. I hate it. Um, I hate being all, I hate being a part of it. Like I hate walking into those sets and like feeling all that. So yeah, that it's definitely an example of what I don't want to be. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, um, I want, I'll, I'll, let me continue on. I'll try to like speed this up a little bit. Cause like we've sure. been talking for a while here, uh, day three, you know, people, people are really starting to gel together. People are starting to have fun we're starting to get even like a little bit ahead of schedule and like we're able to like sort of improvise some shots. So just really, really good vibes all around. Um, and really, really proud of, proud of people. Uh, day four comes around and day four was, so there's this sequence, um, in, in one of the flashbacks where it's after, it's after that party with the seven people and after our Mm -hmm. lead characters have a fight going to the truck where now they go out downtown to downtown Athens 
Mm-hmm. And um, this is building up to the character Viv uh, using hard drugs for the first time. I remember. And this, yeah. Yeah. And this, and I've, this sequence ended up being reworked quite a few times. At first it was like, I wanted her to use with her boyfriend, but then it was like, it felt a little bit too much of like him sort of like having this sort of like controlling hand. And mm-hmm. so then mm-hmm. we switched it to like having a, like doing, she's doing it with her girlfriends for the first time. And, um, and that kind of like shifted things around and characters were shifting and, and whatever. But the, 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 as far as production goes, the really difficult part is that we were, we made the choice of we were going to shoot this in a live environment without permission, without permits. And we were going to do it on the, and I know this doesn't mean anything to you, but we're doing it on the Friday night before the first football game in (gasps) Athens, Georgia. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But no, no, no. But, but like, okay. So Athens, Georgia, Athens, Georgia is a, it's a small, it's a small town. Okay. It's like 90,000 people when you're not counting the students. When the students come, that's 50,000 people are coming to town. Okay. So the town almost doubles in size. Football is like religion here. Okay. And that brings like another 40,000 people to Athens just to tailgate and like go to the game and support the dogs. All right. And the Friday night before the first football game, in a eight square block downtown, Athens, Georgia has the most liquor licenses per capita in the United States. Wow. So it is like this concentrated center of partying. And that's why like growing up there as an alcoholic drug addict, like it just was not fair. You know what I mean? Like, like, just, <laughs> like for growing up in a small town, like the shit was lit. Um, and we're going to jump into the like into this like peak craziness and try to film these That's like so cool these scripted scenes. So we came up with this whole plan of like how we were going to steal shots like in an actual bar that we did not have permission to shoot in. Um, I, I, I won't say the bar, even though like, obviously like it's, is on camera later. Um, uh, they, our... they don't know to this day. They don't know. No, no they there. don't. I mean, I think they had like a little bit of an idea and they didn't say anything, but, um, but no, it was a situation say. where, well, they're going to say like, Hey, get this fucking camera out of our bar. <laughs> this is because it is, well, it is, a, it, it, it is technically an insurance, an insurance issue. I know. No, I know. <laughs> um, I know, I know, like, what are they going to do? And, and by the end of the night, you know, you'll see how like little it actually mattered, but we had this whole plan of we got our, and like, we're only filming, like only our camera ops and our audio ops are like actually like working. There's no grip. We had no extra lighting. So we took the whole crew. We invited them all down to this bar. We populated like this corner of an outside um, uh, patio and we pretended that it was like one of the actor's birthdays. So I went in, I used the company card to like open a tab. Other great thing about Athens, Georgia is how fucking cheap it was. I ended up buying drinks for an entire like 15 person crew. Final tab was $50, (laughs) which was unreal. Yeah. Uh, It's Athens, man. And how um, much is like a mixed drink? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't drink, so how, I don't know. But it, how is it possible? Is beer? I think like it's $2? like it's like yeah, it's like three dollar beers, like five six dollar drinks. Like oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. So that yeah, so everyone's out hanging out. We're using our crew as extras. We're placing our actors like amongst this group, and then like 
right. acting. And our camera op is like, has the camera in her lap, like filming them. What uh, like, camera you know, is this? This is on, we shot all this on a black magic pocket cinema 6K. So it was like smaller because we'd been previously mm-hmm, shooting everything mm-hmm. on a black magic Ursa, which is much larger. Um, mm-hmm. So this was like a smaller, more mobile setup. We completely stripped down the rig. So it was like almost totally handheld, um, all manual focus. We actually had two of them going. We had two camera operators with two black magic 6Ks. The hardest part is that we had a scene in a, outside of the bar bathroom. And so what we did was in this bar, the, the bathroom, so you you go past the bar, there's a door that leads to sort of like an interstitial area where there's a sink, like a shared sink area. And then there's two doors to two separate bathrooms. So we sent in our two actors first to go into a bar, uh, to go into a bathroom, sorry, to go into one of the bathrooms. We sent in our second actress who's like waiting outside the bathroom in the scene and she posted up in the interstitial area. We then sent in our camera, uh, our, our DP, Emily, to capture this scene. And then I and another grip started forming a line outside of the door leading to this interstitial area as if like, oh man, the bathrooms are all occupied so we basically like stood guard and like kept any strangers from wandering into our scene while while the actor and camera op like captured you know got like two takes of this scene that we needed that's awesome (laughs) yeah it was really it was really cool and what another thing i mean that was the other cool thing was that like we planned all this out beforehand and then we like executed it as a team and it worked um uh we then captured some scenes out on the street we getting di- clean dialogue was a problem because there was a lot of noise interference around right right um but all this built up to where like the characters were dividing into like a boys night and a girls night and the girls night was where i was going to go because that had a actual dialogue and it all led up to to viv using heroin mm-hmm. for the first time mm-hmm. and then um the boys night i didn't really have anything planned for it i didn't have anything storyboarded it but in the spirit of like, let's keep everybody working and like, I think they'll have fun doing this. I just told like our B, our B team, uh, our, our first AC, uh, Lex, um, uh, that he was going to camera op and that the actors are just going to have free reign to improvise throughout Athens during this like That's crazy so cool. night. And uh, then a couple, two other guys were there in support. And so they go off like into 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 the unknown to like do whatever they're going to do. And we the girls night was we had this amazing location uh, that we had gotten permission for, which is at the top of a parking deck. It's like the best view in Athens. It's like a 360 degree panorama of the city. I was so excited about this. I get to the parking deck. It's 1230 at night. I go up. The security guard is like a replacement security guard for like the normal guy. And the replacement right. guy hadn't been told that we were going to be there. So uh. I waste like 25 minutes, like getting like convincing him just to call his supervisors to try to like track down this permission. I like didn't, I didn't have the email in hand. Like, it, it, like, and in the end we weren't allowed up onto this parking deck. No. And I, was, I know I was so devastated. So we had to pivot now we're running out of time because like we've got to be we got to be wrapped by two. It's already like one in the morning, so we had to find another location. We ended up just going to like an abandoned, like not an abandoned, an empty parking lot that belonged to a church, and just posting up there. 
I'm constantly afraid that like a cop is going to pull up and kick us out. We're having to like throw up the scene. And this is the moment, Jackie, where like, this is when my back was like most against the wall because this is like a critical moment. I mean, this is like building up to like a, our, our, our character using heroin for the first time, like with her girlfriends and it's got to be casual and it's got to, but it's also got to be meaningful and it's got to be earned. And I have blown this scene before, like in previous projects that I've done, I've always done like first time using scenes and I have fucked them up because I, I overwrite them and I want them to be more than what they are. And so I feel my back against the wall. I feel time ticking down. I feel like I don't have this location to like do the work for me. And I realized in the real time that I had made the same mistakes that I had previously. I'd overwritten the scene. The, the lead character had this like giant monologue that was actually like very uh, personal to me, but um, but it was like too much. Mm-hmm. And so, and I and look like I haven't edited the scene yet. I could get back to the edit. I could go through the edit and say and realize like, oh, you know, this is like actually like another fuck up on my part. But the thing that I was proud of myself for is that like I did the things that I didn't do on earlier projects that um, have led to trouble. I I made the decision like very quickly, uh, went to the lead actress. Hey, I'm so sorry. This is not on you. Um, You're doing incredible work with this monologue, but we have got to cut it. So we just cut this like huge chunk of dialogue out, like in the moment. Then we had yeah. to like reshape the whole scene, whole scene because that was like the kind of like linchpin beat of the scene. So now we're like improvising and I'm, I, I'm trying to bring these two other actors along to like kind of find this like friend vibe. And by like 30 minutes into shooting, like they really started to hit their stride. They really started to find this, this communal connection, which is like really what the whole point of the scene is supposed to be. They leaned into the emotion of the moment rather than any sort of like expository dialogue that needed to happen. And, and by the end, I think we ended up getting like a pretty, pretty good product. And, and, and it was one of those moments of like, wow, like it's been like, it's been 10 years of learning and like 10 years of like making mistakes that like led to that scene, like kind of being salvaged mm-hmm. when it did, it definitely did not go the way I wanted it to. Um, so, yeah. That is so great. Wait, so she uses in the parking lot or it's the scene leading up to her using? No, she uses like she's, okay. she's kind of, the way the scene has been rewritten now is that she's, she and her friends are sort of like, you know, they're just kind of like wreck they're, they're, they're communing over a mutual like dissatisfaction with life. And, and one of them just like casually breaks out a baggie and like uses a, a, a snuff spoon to like snort a little bit of, of dope. Uh, and it's not this like big thing of like someone's taking out a needle and like, are you ready to like do this? No, it's like effortlessly <laughs> casual of just like, they just start doing it. And the girl is left being like, what is that? Is that Coke? And they're like, no, it's not Coke. Like you don't have to, if you don't want to. And like the girl, then Viv makes the decision of like, actually, no, like I want the relief that you feel, you know? And which is like, I think is more true to my own drug experience. Um, it wasn't always some sort of like big dramatic decision, you know, Um, (laughs) it it was actually like the casualness of it that led to. And that's, yeah that's so great that you were able to make that decision in the moment because I, I mean, when things get rough and this is something I need to work on when things get rough and I'm told to make a decision immediately, I freak out. 
Yeah. <laughs> I just freak. <laughs> um, not externally in my own mind. I hide it pretty well, but I like, I feel <laughs> the walls closing in and I get really hot and my heart starts racing. And yeah. no matter what choice I make, I always feel like, actually, no, that's not true. Sometimes I feel like it's the right choice. But of course, there's always doubt. Um, but how that's I'm so happy for you that you were able to make that choice. I have lived in fear of for seven for seven years because on the feature on the feature film that I tried to make seven years ago that I wasn't able to finish, I I, I couldn't stick the landing. And there was a moment on that set when I knew things weren't working. And I stopped and sat down with my producer and we literally like halted production to like storyboard, like to, to pitch new endings. Like, and it took us like an hour. We sat on the ground as everyone else just like waited and like picked their butts as we pitched endings. And of course, like none of them were right. Like we didn't solve it magically. And that's the reason why that movie wasn't made is like, because we didn't have an ending and we couldn't stick the landing. And Whatever I have, that. No, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I mean, the movie like sits on a hard drive, you know, it's a hard drive movie that, wow. that was never, that was never finished. And like, wow. I think like I have nightmares about that hour of sitting of like pitching ideas and like knowing in real time, it wasn't going to work, that nothing was going to work, that we didn't have the solution that we were going to have to pick something just to try it. And but like knowing in my heart that like th- this was a mistake and that like and I didn't and I wouldn't I wouldn't fully realize until two years later when I like got to the end of the editing process and was like I don't have a movie I didn't realize till two years later how everything hinged on that one hour long conversation but it has like haunted me ever since mm. you know it's been like like it, it honestly is like it's one of those things that I think about as I fall asleep at night and go Ugh! like I, you know um, and so to move to be confronted with a somewhat similar moment uh this time around and and to move through it kind of with a bit more decisive action and um uh that is the moment that i think i'm most proud of like as a director and um that i um yeah that that, that i'm just most proud Great. of. that's awesome um, yeah yeah um so oh and the last thing was is so we the girls night like finally you know ends we're walking back to the cars and then from like across the street, I see the actors and, and, and camera ops from boys night coming back to like, as we reunite to like go back to base camp, they all have these like shit eating grins of like, I think you're going to like this footage. <laughs> and it was just like, it was so opposite. Cause I was like, I was kind of stressed out of my mind. I was like sweating yeah. bullets from like, you know, ha- like having to like redo this scene on the fly. And then here these guys come. I've gone through their footage since. They went out and like just like tore it up. They're like running around interacting with extras and like doing getting into all kinds of shenanigans. They went into like five or six bars like with a full camera rig. No one said shit to them. Like it That's was awesome. like <laughs> That's So yeah, so, so great. I don't, Yeah, yeah, I'm I don't know really what I'm going to do with it. Oh, they had a fucking blast. They got they they got drunk. They like went. They like yeah. They got drunk and went out and just shot shot nonsense, and uh, had a fucking ball. So I'm glad they had fun. Um, How fun! <laughs> oh man, um, all that you know, all that led into like our last day, um, uh, which uh, 
started with like an on with an on-screen like death um, we also had an intimacy element of like uh, some some backside nudity of our lead actor um, so we had an intimacy coordinator on set um, Christina Arjona who um, drove up from Atlanta that day um, uh, so that was interesting I never worked with an intimacy coordinator before um, and she had been with us like- in rehearsal it was awesome it was great it was great um, and Christina I mean particularly as a credit to her uh, she was fantastic um, but yeah, she had like talked us through like all the intimacy moments, like all the sort of like any sort of kiss or stage kiss, like we rehearsed it as if it was a stunt, you know, as if it was like a stage slap or punch or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We knew the beat, you know, how many beats it was going to take. It became like a choreography and like it brought a level of theatricality and just professionalism that I just fucking love. Um, and it really forced you to get like really granule about like, what is the story here? Like, what's the story we're telling through this moment of intimacy? And I think it created, you know, it creates a safe space for the actors to feel like where they can like play. It's not some weird thing of like, okay, like you guys go make out now. Like, you know, it's like, can, can like be a part of like filmmaking at any level, but particularly indie filmmaking. And I just, I find that, you know, as like an actor who's like married and like, like, you know, and like, who's like, doesn't want to be like doing that like just even creating an environment where another actor could walk in and just feel like like oh there's nothing there's nothing there's nothing weird about this like this is just Mm -hmm. work and we're Mm -hmm. storytelling and like everyone's on the same page um, because that hasn't always been the case in like previous environments so i i i loved i loved i loved the experience yeah have you ever worked with an intimacy coordinator i've never had a kiss in either of my movies or anything um (laughs) No, I have not, <laughs> but uh, would like to one day, hopefully. <laughs> I would hi- highly, highly recommend it. Um, it's so funny uh, because like I have such, I have like two modes. I have one mode where I'm like, yes, like we have to do everything and everything needs to be set and planned and whatever. And then like, I like, I love French films. and like, I know that there's none of that. There's none of that on French films. And so it's like this inner conflict in me of like, what do I want? <laughs> but well, no, like, go ahead. I, well, no, so I, you might be referencing, so like Mia Hansen Love recently. Exactly. She has the quote, right? About <laughs> I like, I would never. Like, yeah, and I love her and I respect her and she's one of my favorite directors. So now I'm like, shit. I don't know. So I love her too. And just based on my previous, just based on this experience, I think that she had, I think she has a fundamental misunderstanding of what an intimacy coordinator is supposed to do. Maybe she because, does. Because this, this was not, um, this was not about like planning things. Or, I mean, or, or like, or, or, or canning the experience, you know, mm. for like, so that it be, it was drained of all soul. Instead, it was like, in the same way that like handing someone a page of dialogue or giving someone some sort of blocking or like having just like blocking for camera just then channels the artistic energy mm-hmm. in a direction and then and then allows things to happen but like in a in a in just a degree just with like you know bumpers up mm-hmm. and that's that's mm-hmm. all it was and it was just and mm-hmm. it was just the conscious talking through of like where are we at in the story like what is this mm-hmm. 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 So, um and and so that that was not 
like, cause I, I saw that quote and, and, and thought about it. I had the exact same experience as you. It was like, I don't want to be like some sort of like, yeah, I don't want to be the intimacy police. And I'm not trying to bring in the, like, the, like the, uh, yeah, like the kissing police, like into my movie. (laughs) And, but that was not what it was at all. Yeah. I, yeah, I've never worked with one. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what it's like one day. So just, just in the same way that like, I, like I'm past the point of a filmmaker where I'm like, you have a bit of stage combat and I'm like, just go punch him in the face. Just go do it. (laughs) Right. Like just see what happens. Who knows? Right. Like you wouldn't do that to an actor. No. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's the same thing. And it's like the, just in the same way that like a, a, a stunt coordinator can talk you through how to safely do a stage punch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then in the process, the actor discovers like what's actually happening in the story mm-hmm. at that moment. It's literally like a one-to-one comparison. Um, yeah. And it was in- incredibly helpful, not just to me, but, uh, but to the actors as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and I thought it like actually unlocked a lot um, and led to more discoveries than it, it, than it inhibited them. Cool. That's good to um, hear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, and I hope to have uh, Christina on the podcast uh, in the future to to like talk a little bit more about her work because I know that like they're still in a process of trying to like convince filmmakers and particularly indie filmmakers of like, is this something that you should invest in? Um, and, and I'm so glad that I did. So nice. um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it, we had some more, um, kind of the last day was kind of an emotional day of like, as far as like scene, um, mm-hmm. scenes involved. Um, we, uh, there was like a kind of like a kissing scene that we had rehearsed with uh, Christina as well that we shot. And then it led to this like sort of emotional reunion, um, scene between our, our two lead characters. The actors like really brought it. Um, but all that to say is that we like ended early and it led to, we had like an extra hour it was right before everyone, you know, right before our shoot wrap. And we kind of had a last minute idea of like, well, what if we just shoot them like cooking up shots of heroin and get this with the 16 millimeter camera? We had like an extra roll of film that we had bought mm-hmm. and, and hadn't used. And what ended up happening at the end of the shoot, it was like, it, it was, it was beautiful, Jackie. Like as far as like a commu- as a communal experience, it ended up with basically most of the crew sitting in a room together. It was all MOS. So people had like music playing. They were like passing around a phone and like people were playing DJ. We let the, cool. we let the G and E guys like just go wild um, with like putting up lights and, and having fun and doing stuff that they, you know, just let, let them, let them have like cre- total creative control. I kind of like let the go of the director reins, like, cause this was all bonus footage, you know? So it was like, yeah. let's just let people play. And it ended up being a situation where like, it was like 16 people sitting in a room together, pitching out ideas. It felt like this kind of communal, like egoless movie making. Um, and it was just fucking beautiful. Uh, That's so cool. I I, I loved it. it. The feeling, the vibes were 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 immaculate. immaculate. Yeah. Jinx. <laughs> you wow. owe me a soda. Uh, so yeah. Um, that's how that's, that's how things so nice. ended. That's really yeah. beautiful. And I and I feel like we you know we're gonna bring um this crew back together for our shoot in October. Great. End of October, early November, and so I felt like it ended in a in a place where people were excited to like 
come back, get the gang back together. And um, cool. I'm really, really grateful and really honored um, uh, by that. So I'm so excited, just like based on everything you said, I'm so excited to see it. <laughs> yeah, me and, too. <laughs> and how um, how many days are you coming back for in October? We're coming back for eight days in October. Oh, wow. Same yeah, locations so or um like the primary location this like house that was uh we we're allowed to shoot in because it's owned by my mother-in-law that's like our primary location that's like the mm-hmm. couple's house mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so we'll be shooting in there a lot more than we were for this flashback shoot and then i have to find a few other locations um a doctor's office a lawyer's office um, oh, a couple little couple couple little things like that um yeah. but i think i think those are coming together um uh, oh, and we also have this like live music thing. Uh, this like yeah, open night yeah, that, like opens the, the film, which opens the film. I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we have that location secured, um, which I'm really cool. that's that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be it's gonna be hard as shit. <laughs> I'm excited and nervous for that day, um, but yeah, yeah. So we come back uh, October 27th. We've got a lot of work to do before then, um, but yeah, it, we feel I think heartened with a lot of momentum um definitely like learned learned a lot from the last five days and i was hoping going into it that this sort of like break would actually benefit the production because we would have five days to sort of jump in you know get our feet wet get 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 our yeah get our get some reps under us and that like we could hopefully assuming every there was no major disasters we could carry that momentum into like the second shoot period um and so so far that that seems to be the case so cool yeah that's so nice no it's so nice that you have five and then you have a break and then you you're able to get immediately into it because i feel like i don't know when you're just making like a movie in three days or a movie in five days you're like i wish like i just need another chance and i can do this so much better next time and you have that next time already lined up and that's so nice yes yeah yeah i mean who there's a I can't remember who what famous director said this. Maybe maybe you can maybe you know. Someone talks about like it's only after you get to the end of the edit do you realize like how you were supposed to make the movie. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who said it, but I agree. <laughs> I think it actually I think it actually might be like Ridley Scott or something. Um <laughs> uh but there's some yeah, something of yeah, cuz I definitely feel that way. Like you guys were on the I just re- listened to your recent episode of Satan Tango. And how Bellatar, like, you know, all these years later is like, yeah, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> I have never felt that way I about don't anything I I've ever made ever. feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad he does. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. Good for him. He um, deserves it. Yeah, for sure. Have you seen Satan Tama? I haven't seen it yet. I listened to your episode. I very rarely listen to a scene in her an episode that I haven't I got, watched the movie for. But yeah, I got a few messages like that saying, "Like I'm just going to listen to your episode and I'll watch the movie." And I was like, "Okay, but you should definitely watch the movie." Um, highly wreck. I absolutely will watch the movie. You Sorry, also have a toddler. Can... You also have a toddler. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I the weird thing, uh, I I don't know if you do this when you're like in production for a movie, but like I I stop watching movies. So I have Oh yeah. This might sure. I have I have not watched a movie in over a month. I have not like Whoa. sat down and like watched a movie 
which is so weird. No, me. that's hard. Now, a month yeah. is long. Yeah. Um, in the days that I'm shooting, I mean, I guess it's just because I don't have time now that I think about it. But why yeah. do you feel that way? Why do you feel like you? Uh, I think I I think on a certain level I get so sort of influenced by whatever movie I watch. I always think like, uh, yeah. oh, like we should, yeah. we should do it that way. We should do it that way. We should do it that way. For and it kind of sure. like leads, leads me on a wild goose chase. Yeah, that's fair. But see, I know I've actually thought about this. Like, once you decide a movie is going to be a certain way, do you stop watching other movies? Because do you only watch movies that align with what your vision for this movie is? Or do you watch a bunch of different movies and then change what your original vision was? Like, this is a conflict I've had. Um, yeah. Right? Because if yeah. you decide, like, I'm going to make a movie in black and white and then you just watch black and white movies to get influence or do you watch other things and then let those influence your original vision? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 you know, like honestly, um, my big, some of my biggest issues have to do with, um, with insecurity or like the voice mm -hmm. in my head of telling me that like, it's it, like, I'm not good enough. It's not good enough. Nothing's ever going to be good enough. Um, and, um, and I've been, that's been a big struggle coming off the shoot. Um, yeah. even, like, even as I just sort of like, sometimes, you know, I'll just take 30 minutes to like scrub through some footage and like, you know, just, just to begin to like soak it up as a sponge because I'm going to be editing the, this movie eventually. Um, uh, but yeah, those little like nagging thoughts, like really, uh, nip at my heels and they definitely happen in the pre-production process too. And so when I watch like really good movies, I just get really discouraged because it's like, oh, like I could, ne I'll never make something as good as, you know, blah blah blah, like whatever I'm watching <laughs> at the time. Um, so I the the only things I'll I, I've the only things I've even the last movie I watched, or they've all been uh, mystery science theater episodes. I'm like cool. trying to watch like the sh like the shittiest movies possible. Is that a, and like I don't know? Does that actually like bleed over and make my movie? <laughs> <laughs> no. So. <laughs> yeah i think that's where it comes from for me honestly well uh what uh you know uh, uh, we're wrapping up here but what uh what do you what do you have so you're so you're in the middle of the edit or, or you're at, coming to the tail end of the edit of your short film which you have alluded yeah, to throughout yeah. this episode what yeah. do you have coming up well i want to edit <laughs> i just want this to be done honestly <laughs> um I yeah so I'm hoping to get picture locked like by the end of this month and then um I have a wonderful composer who's a friend of mine he's gonna compose like a piece um I don't think there's gonna be non-diegetic score so I think it's gonna be all like playing from the radio um so he has to compose like a 60s-esque piece um mm. so that's gonna be fun uh, but I am actually licensing. So he's going to write a piece and then I am licensing a song to use for at least festivals. Like I'm going to get festival rights to the song. It, it talks to me. Yeah. In the sunliner. So that's oh, awesome. Great. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, and then sound design and color, but color shouldn't be too hard because it is black and white. And my colorist was on set doing DIT. So. Um, oh, wow. You know. Yeah. So we have that's that. Great. So I anticipate it'll be done done like in December um, or maybe earlier, honestly. It's just getting picture locked is so, it's so hard. Like yeah. it is really, really hard. The movie's gone from 20 minutes to 13 minutes. 
now it's yeah. at 14 um <laughs> i know it's i've cut a lot um you watched the first like first first cut which i'm so yeah. grateful that you watched and gave such great notes um changed a lot since then it has changed oh, massively i'm excited um but it's so hard yeah how do you make that decision like when you you have to come to the you have to come you have to come to terms with the fact that the movie you made is not exactly what you had planned in your head. And then you have to come up with what is this movie? That's what yes. editing is like. And it's so hard. It is so difficult. Um, because I get stressed out. Like at buffets, I get stressed out because there's too many possibilities or like markets, like those cool, like grand central market where there's all these food <laughs> options. I get stressed out. So that's just my personality. Like if I have too many options, I get stressed out and that's what's happening now because there's so many different ways that the movie can go and it's just figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I have coming. <laughs> that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, I'm just writing, you know, the same old. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and you, you, you guys are on a little uh, podcasting break. We are on our annual break so just going to dedicate a lot of time to editing this and yeah um trying to get an outline for a new script and start working on that exciting yeah it's so exciting it's gonna be great it's gonna be great uh do you have a is your family still in a position or like do, how often do you hear when can i see it yeah i do okay. i hear okay, it all good. the time i hear it all the time <laughs> Um, I hear it from a gaffer actually all the time, so I'm very excited. Oh, to come on, show come him. on, man! <laughs> come on, man! You know no, better. Best. Yeah, no, he's funny. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Just taking it one day at a time. Um, and then on like my last movie, we we made such a big deal about like first of all, we edited it like it was we shot it like the last week of July and then in December it was like done and we we're like let's have a screening and we like put all this time and energy into the screening that just turned out to be like cast and crew so I that was a learning experience like I'm not gonna do something that uh time constraining and like costly for like yeah just having basically at the end of the day like we had such a big cast and crew that we couldn't afford to invite people that weren't cast and crew. So it turned into this screening <laughs> that was like literally costly and just for cast and crew. Um, so I have to figure out what I'm going to do in terms of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't have any answers for that one because uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough, but yeah, Are you, you can't, gonna... be written, can't be written out theaters. No, we didn't rent out a theater. We we rented out a. My friend has a space that she gave to me for a really great price. But um, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, are you gonna have score? I have. I have. Uh, I'm. I'm pushing that decision off until the edit. Um, Got I really want to like, like try. Like I could see this movie being totally without sound uh, or without music, other than the music that's played live in in mm -hmm. the story. Um, uh, I could also see, yeah, score really adding to it. I've really tried to avoid that decision. 
Um, it's also been really interesting of like, uh, I don't know if you go, just it, this project in particular, I feel like there's been like crazy people coming out of the woodwork being like, you know, I compose for movies too. <laughs> I feel like I've got a li- like a short list of like 10 people who Composer? have like thrown, their hat, thrown their hat into the ring so of funny. like, of some type of music. Um, and so I really just tried to like not get attached, uh, to anything and try to not, not make that decision until, uh, like, That's this, so is interesting. That, mm-hmm. this, this is something that I've, I really gained from doing the Melvin Van Peebles series and like reading Melvin's book where he talks about going into the editing process for Sweetback and how he when he started editing as soon as he finished shooting, but that he like set out a whole new list of guidelines. So making sure that just like you said, like letting the movie talk to him, letting the movie tell him what it was about, letting the the editing process, like be a process of its own. That was like completely separate from the filming process. And that did not like uh, 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 rely on sort of like external feedback. It was going to be like a completely like singular process of letting mm-hmm. the, the movie speak to mm-hmm. him. And then mm-hmm. it was going to take the time that it took and he didn't put any deadlines on it. And um, I, I really love that. I think that that really benefited that movie. I've heard of other directors talking about the same thing. And it's one of the benefits of working an independent film of like, you don't have a producer or distributor, like breathing down your right. neck, like need it, right. needing it done by a certain time. So yeah. Um, let 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 that baby ride you know keep it put it in the oven yeah for sure the only thing is festivals but um i am submitting with like temp sound and color like at the end of the month essentially to a bunch of them yeah Um, yeah which is which is totally totally cool having been a a screener myself for atlanta and then like from some of the learning that i've done of like other programmers um very like totally totally cool i i i didn't i i thought that it was like somehow like yeah they say that but they don't actually like accept anything right i always have that Uh, fear too yeah yeah but i i don't i think that 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 assumption was wrong so cool that makes me happy that that's always good to hear yeah totally well i'm so excited uh for the short i can't i can't wait to see the new cut I know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm so excited to see withdrawal. You've done an amazing job and it's going to be so great. And yeah, like I can't wait to see you in, like, I can't wait to see the stuff in downtown, like the gorilla filmmaking in downtown. Like that sounds, I mean, I'm excited for all of it, but like in particular, like that sounds super cool. And I can't wait. <laughs> that sounds awesome. It's some pre- it's some pretty fun footage for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, and well, thanks and, for having me. This was such a yeah. pleasure. Yeah, of course. Let's we'll have to we'll have to do it again uh, sometime soon. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, as always, you can email me behind the slate pod at gmail.com. It's behind the slate pod at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at behind the slate pod. You can also follow the film's Instagram at withdrawal film. Um, I think that's all the stuff. I, oh, oh, last thing is that um, the next month, as I'm continuing into pre production, um, I'll be doing some more little project updates, but I've also got some really exciting interviews coming in with a lot of independent artists who are not necessarily filmmakers. Some of these people are just like 
I, I think you're really going to enjoy hearing their perspectives, even though it's a little bit different than our usual programming. So I'm really excited to bring this to you guys. And um, yeah, I think that's all the updates I have. And until next time, that's a wrap. So many days since you went away, how much I'm going to worry both night and day. But someday, baby, you ain't gonna worry my life anymore. So that's my story. All I have to say to you, bye bye, baby. Don't care what you do. But someday, baby, you ain't gonna worry my life anymore.